Let's open things up with prayer this morning. I'm going to give you some space um, in this prayer to speak to God in your own hearts about the things that you want to get off your chest. I'm also going to give you some space uh, to call out the names of uh, people that you want to lift to the Lord and uh, in the community. And so will you pray with me? God, here we are just a couple days removed from Thanksgiving and my goodness, it feels like the year is going faster than, than I could have imagined, and it just goes faster and faster every year, and uh, December is on our doorstep, and Advent and Christmas, and it's so easy just to get caught up in all of the stuff that's happening, particularly at the end of the year, and we just want to pause this morning, because if we didn't tell you on Thursday, we are grateful, we are thankful for the ways in which you have blessed us. No doubt everyone here uh, either gathered with friends or maybe some family members probably sat around a table of food, maybe turned on the football game. And we're so thankful for that. Because we know that's not the reality for everyone in the world. It's just not. For some folks, uh, they don't know where their next meal is coming from. Perhaps even here, even in, in this place, like Palestine, Texas, we know that there are children whose only meal comes from the school meals that are provided, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so holidays are tough, weekends are tough. They look forward to Monday when school starts back up so they can get another hot meal. And so we want to thank you. And we pray for those who are in that position. We pray for those who maybe didn't have anybody to gather with for Thanksgiving. And so Thanksgiving for them was just a very lonely time. I pray that they would find their community. May they find us. That we can be their surrogate family if they don't have one. And I thank you for this family in this room. As we gathered together on Wednesday to share our um, pre-Thanksgiving meal as a church family. It was just such a blessing to be in that room, to be circled up, to hear everyone give the thing that they are thankful for out loud and just to see the faces and to say, this, this is a family, perhaps even more real than flesh and blood. This is an eternal family that you have gathered into this place. I ask you to bless each and every person here. But God, as we come into this room to, to pause, to think about how blessed we are, to open the scriptures and hear a word, to sing some songs, we want to be fully available to you and all that you want to show us and give us. We know that there are some things that we've done this week that have not been beneficial for that to happen. And so I just want to open the floor to silence so that people can just name those things out loud. I, I don't believe you're holding it against us, but it's just good to get it off our chest to say it, to say, hey, this is the way that I've, I failed this week. And so here are confessions as we give them to you.
We thank you for John 3, 16 and 17. It tells us, you so loved the world that you sent your only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that you sent your son into the world not to condemn us, not to shake a finger at us, not to knock us down a peg, but so that through him the world might be saved. And so we lean on that now that you loved us even before we knew you, while we were deep in our sins, deep in our failures, you were still loving us, you continue to love us, and so we thank you for that gift. God, I'm also aware that as we come into this room a couple days after Thanksgiving, uh, life continues to go on. Uh, the world doesn't stop just because we maybe pause to eat some turkey and turn on a football game. Things still happen, and so, so we come into this place with cares and concerns and anxieties and worries, and we know that that also is not beneficial for us hearing you and seeing you this morning. And so I want to open the floor to those who want to get off their chest of those things that are weighing them down. These are our prayer requests. These are the, the folks and the situations that we are giving to you now and trusting that you've got it. So hear now the deepest concerns of our hearts. The people of Israel, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Cliff Hines and his family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lynn Gibson. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brother Mike and Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Madison White. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Brenda Harris. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Grace Drew. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. John Hafner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Joey Critical. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Praise the Lord for answering the prayers for my two sisters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. To all those looking for a church home knowing the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. All the folks who are traveling back home after being with friends and family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. God, we give you these and any unspoken requests today. Uh, take that burden off of us so that we might be free to worship you today. We give you all the thanks and praise. And we do all of this because of Jesus and in his name. Amen. We're going to open the scriptures this morning to the gospel of John. This from chapter 6, verses 5 through 23. Listen now for a word from the Lord. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, 
Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? And Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there. They also saw that Jesus had not got into the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Consider these radical statements from Jesus. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who are persecuted for their faith, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or how about this radical statement? There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age and in the age to come. Or perhaps my favorite radical statement in the story of the prodigal son when Jesus compares God to a father who tells the older son, Son, all that I have is yours. It always has been. It always will be. Folks, apparently we are extremely wealthy according to these statements. Perhaps not in material things, but certainly in spiritual things. And yet, I, and perhaps you, 
toil and spin and scrape and scratch with our minds fixed on earthly cares. One person said, we live like homeless beggars when we have spiritual storehouses filled with gold. And Jesus says, you know, wherever you believe that your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. And so then the question becomes, do you know where your treasure is? Do we know where our treasure is? Gosh, another Thanksgiving has come and gone, just like that. It's over. Last of my family left this morning. Elena's parents pulled out of the driveway early this morning, and when I get home, the house will be quiet again, back to normal. We have been talking about Thanksgiving and giving thanks for the last several weeks. You may recall a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Psalm 100 tells us that giving thanks is the beginning process to entering into the presence of God. If you want to enter into the presence of God, which is really all around you all the time and within you, Thanksgiving kind of opens the door to seeing that reality. We also talked last week how Philippians 4, Paul says that giving thanks allows you to enter into the peace of God, which is all around you all the time anyway and within you, but Thanksgiving kind of opens your eyes, your spiritual eyes, to see that reality. The presence of God, the peace of God. Today, we're going to talk about how giving thanks opens uh, your, eye, your eyes, your spiritual eyes and heart, to the provision of God. How God blesses us all the time, every day, in and out, all that we need at all times. I did a quick search uh, in the NRSV, Thanks and thanksgiving and gratitude, Old Testament and New Testament, mentioned 210 times in total. You think there might be something important about giving thanks in the Bible? I, I would imagine if we did a deep study on this, it's more than just presence and peace and provision that enters into our awareness when we give thanks. There's probably a whole host of things that we might want to consider, but we don't have time for that because... Advent starts next week. So we're just going to focus on these three. We're in the Gospel of John today. I find it really interesting that Matthew, Mark, and Luke give us this story of uh, Jesus having the Last Supper with the disciples. You know, he initiates this new practice where he says, You do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And he, he, you know, he uh, gives thanks and, and distributes the bread to them. And the Gospel of John does not include this story. It doesn't have this story. Instead, John has this story that we just read, the feeding of the 5,000. Now, it's very similar. It's not the disciples in this upper room, but it's this crowd, this multitude of people, and he does something very similar. He gives thanks, he breaks the bread, and then he distributes to each of them. Not only that, Luke includes this extra story after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus. Remember that story where they're with this stranger, they don't know who he is, and they invite him into the house, and he gives thanks for the bread, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them, and all of a sudden their eyes are opened and they realize it's Jesus. It was Jesus all along, right? You look at these stories and you find out across the Gospels, Jesus seemed to be in the habit 
of giving thanks, breaking bread, and giving it to other people. This was just kind of his MO, this thing that he did. And every time he did it, in every single story that he did it, people's eyes were opened to something greater that was happening that they didn't realize before. In this particular story, Philip and Andrew and the other disciples, and perhaps the crowd too, they just see five loaves and two fish. Not nearly enough to do anything for 5,000 plus people, right? But Jesus saw something different. Jesus saw in the five loaves and two fish a feast for everyone. This is what Jesus sees. And so he gives thanks and he breaks that first loaf and he begins to pass it out. And people's eyes become open to this sign, what they call a sign. He must be the prophet. Come into the world. Look what is happening. And here's the question I want to ask. Is this a miracle of multiplying food? Or is this a miracle of Jesus opening the spiritual eyes of the disciples and the crowd? I love Christmas Carol, Charles Dickens. We watched last night uh, the story about Charles Dickens making Christmas Carol called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Wonderful, where he's kind of inventing the characters in his head. and He's having dialogue with them as he's writing the book. But, but you might call the Christmas Carol the redemption of Ebenezer Scrooge because really it's about Scrooge changing, right? Having a, a change of heart, coming to this new place, becoming a new man. And one of the key moments in this uh, transformative process of Scrooge as he's going through is when the ghost of Christmas present takes him to the home of Bob Cratchit. You remember that scene? Right? He had never been to Bob Cratchit, could care less about Bob Cratchit and his family, never, never paid attention, not even a single thought. How many kids does he have? Where does he live? And so he finds himself in the home of Bob Cratchit. And he begins to see this small little dwelling place where everybody's cramped in it. And they're gathered around this tiny table with just a little bit of food. And what happens? Bob insists that they give thanks for Ebenezer Scrooge himself. His wife pushes back a little bit, but Bob says, no, if it weren't for Scrooge, none of this would be possible. He provides the income with which we keep our house warm and we're able to purchase the food that we have. And then Tiny Tim says, yes, God bless us all, everyone, including Ebenezer Scrooge. And Scrooge begins to see Christmas in a new light, begins to rethink maybe his purpose in the world and sees that this is an opportunity to bless others, to love others, to share the blessing, to give away the wealth. And I thought, you know, even Charles Dickens knows the power of thanksgiving to change the hearts and minds of people. There's something powerful about thanksgiving that changes our perception of things, how they really are. And I wonder, how often do we thank God for what we have? Or are you like me? I spend more time thinking about the things I wish I had. Instead of thanking God, I'm beefing up my Amazon wish list, putting stuff into the cart. 
this is the stuff I wish I had, and I'll just look at it until I can get it. Instead of just pausing for a second and looking around and thanking God for what I already have. If you have been hanging out with me for any amount of time, it should be no surprise if I tell you that I firmly believe that there is a reality that exists all around us that most of us are unaware of. Most of us are sleepwalking through life, myself included. And there is this greater reality. Part of what Jesus was trying to do was to get us to wake up to this reality, to see things through kingdom eyes, to see things as God sees them. I've talked to you about how I think we probably need to spend less time talking at God. You know those moments where you're not even aware of God, but boy, you've got something to say, and you're just going to kind of vomit some stuff out to God, you know, whether you're complaining about your day or what you wish you had, or maybe you're really anxious about some stuff that needs to get resolved, and so you're, you're just kind of talking at God, and how we probably need to move from doing that less to maybe talking to God or perhaps listening to God, or maybe even better, just being with God. The presence of God, the peace of God, and the provision of God becomes real to us in that silence. In fact, the Old Testament says, be still and know. Be still and know. You cannot know until you get still. That's how your eyes will be open. But that doesn't mean that you can't say anything before the stillness, right? Psalm 100, we talked about enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter the courts with praise, come into his presence with singing, and then bow before the Lord and get quiet, right? There's this process. You don't have to go straight to stillness. You can say something. You can say something as simple as thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You see, when you say thank you, God's abiding presence, God's ever presence becomes tangible to you. It's not that God is absent. I love it. Up the hill, going up Crockett Road, the, the Church of Christ, they had a sign that said, if, if you can't find God, it's not because he's lost. I love that. That's great, right? God is not the one MIA here, right? It, it, it's all your matter of spiritual eyes and heart. And so thank you opens your eyes and heart to God's abiding presence. Paul tells us thank you is how you enter into that peace, how God's peace actually becomes your peace. It's a peace that surpasses all understanding. You can't explain it to your friends. They think you're crazy. But something has shifted within you, and you have a peace that you cannot explain because it began with the two words, thank you, God, thank you. When you say thank you, what you already have, see, expand so that you realize, oh, I have so much more than I ever knew or stop to acknowledge. Do you see? You begin with the few things that you have, and you say thank you, and God says, great, let me show you some other stuff you have. 
Let me show you some other things that you have. Let me show you how the kingdom of heaven is yours. Let me tell you how the earth is yours. Let me tell you how I have given you back a hundredfold that which you have given up for the gospel and the good news. Let me tell you how all that I have is yours and always has been simply because you pause to say thank you. In a moment, we're going to stop and we're going to take communion. You may have heard the word Eucharist before. Eucharist for communion, you ever heard that? Eucharist is a Greek word. Guess what it means? Thanksgiving. If I showed you in my book here, we have several liturgies for communion. The section is titled, Great Thanksgivings, right Chuck? All the ways in which you give thanks for the meal that you're about to eat. Why do we call it Great Thanksgiving? Why do we call it the Eucharist? Because Jesus gave thanks, broke the bread, and gave it to His disciples, and their eyes were opened. And we do this every single week along with millions of Christians who for thousands of years have declared in communion, there is something more going on here. It looks like bread and wine, but there's something more going on here, and I can't explain it. Somehow Christ is present with us in this meal. Somehow this meal unites us together in a way that we leave this place united by what we have just taken into ourselves. Somehow in this meal, and we don't know how because it's a mystery, but we become what we eat. You are what you eat. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ given for you. Somehow Christ shines through you as you depart from this place. It's more than just bread and wine. And so was this story in the Gospel of John, the feeding of the 5,000, Was this a miracle of multiplying food? Or is this a miracle of Jesus giving thanks, breaking the bread, giving it to them, and their eyes are opened? Oh my gosh, I never knew how blessed I am. I never knew what God had done for me and what God is doing for me. Is that the real miracle? I'm inclined to say it's the second. And you may say, well, pastor, that's not as neat a trick. If Jesus can can make 12 baskets out of one basket, that's a real party trick right there. I would argue gaining spiritual eyes to see the world as Jesus sees it is a greater miracle. That's the miracle that I long for in my life. That's my daily prayer. Jesus, give me eyes to see as you see so that I might love as you love so that I might forgive as you forgive, so that I might show compassion as you show compassion. Give me those eyes to see. Pluck out my eyes if you need to, so that I can see clearly. That's the miracle I want in my life, and I bet you do too. But this opening of the eyes happens, it says it again and again and again, after he gave thanks. After he gave thanks, then their eyes were opened. After he gave thanks, then they saw the sign. After he gave thanks, 
And so on this side of Thanksgiving, right, Thursday is the day that we pause to give thanks. On this side of Thanksgiving, may we all see the blessings that God has given us. The earth is yours. It is yours. It's ours. Everything that the Father has has been given to us. We are rich indeed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll grab the hand of the person next to you. And go from this place with this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, you're completely forgiven, and you're uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as the image of God. It's a tall order, right? God made you in His image. You are the image of God in the world. Guess what? You're going to forget that sometime this week. You're going to forget who dwells in you. You're going to forget who dwells in your neighbor. You're going to make some choices that are completely self-centered because we all do it. But even in those lowest moments, God never departs. God never forsakes you. God never abandons you. God simply looks at you and says, if you only knew, you are the best of the best of the best. And if we could begin to see that, perhaps through giving thanks, that's the entryway into realizing that truth. It would change everything. Has the power, it changed Scrooge completely. has the power to change everything. So that's my prayer for you as, go, as you go from this place. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go in peace.